Welcome to Love Living Life with Marla Williams on Lift Your Spirits Radio. My guest is a long-term friend who I've known for years, but we kind of lost contact recently and just reconnected. And it's his name is Dr. Dan Diamond, or he goes by his website is Dan Diamond MD. And Dan has an amazing background. He's a doctor by trade, but beyond being a doctor in local hospitals and clinics, he is a person who has gone out in the world in uh, for uh, <laughs> medical triage in emergency situations around the world, like Katrina. He was first in, he was, um, I'm just, I'm just losing my words here. But anyway, let me just read his bio and that will give you everything. He's a passionate leader. He has a proven track record of equipping teams to thrive when times are tough. He served as the director of the medical triage unit at the New Orleans Convention Center following Hurricane Katrina. He led the first medical teams into Haiti after their devastating earthquake and deployed to the Philippines following Typhoon Yolanda. In 2010, the American Red Cross gave him the Real Hero Award, which he deserved. Also, uh, the Washington state governor, got, he got the Award of Excellence for his work in Haiti. In 2014, he actually received the President's Volunteer Service Award from President Obama. His work has been featured on CNN, Anderson Cooper, Larry King Live. Dan's experience in disaster relief gives him a unique perspective on human behavior in times of crisis. He came home from Katrina with a burning question. Why is it that some people don't become victims? And what he discovered changed his life, his workshops, his presentations, and his and, and he continues to use this knowledge to impact teams and corporations around the world. Welcome to the show, Dan Diamond. Thank you, my friend. It is so good to be here. Um, and I'm really glad you reached out. I, you're, I don't know. I think maybe it was COVID. And we just kind of disconnected, yeah. but I'm delighted to be here with you. I'm excited about the work that you're doing. And uh, this is an important conversation. It is. It's been a it is. rough couple of years for a lot of people. It has been. And what you're going to talk about really can make a difference. But before we go there, let's talk about that song. Oh, yeah, that song's a great song one. So tell me, it's a friend of yours. So tell yeah. me about that song. Yeah, that's my buddy. His name is Brother James. Brother James. Brother James. Yeah. And Brother James is a great guy. Yeah. Um, he's one of the people that when I when I have conversations with him and when I listen to his music, I can go from kind of feeling like, man, it feels like the gravity is heavy today to going, oh, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. And um, it's worth taking a listen at some point when you have time to the words in the, in the song that we played at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, what am I We're actually going to play that song throughout for each break. It'll have a little oh, bit. Good. And then at Great. the end, we're going to have it at the very end of the show where they can listen to the entire thing, especially if you go to the podcast too, that's where you want to go and hear the whole entire song, but it's, it's great for old brother James. Awesome song. I'm glad you introduced us to it. So 
let's talk about you and I, we first met, oh man, maybe back in 2010 or even be, I, or even before that yeah, I was working yeah, a while. Yeah. And you were already a speaker doing the triage sale, going into places and making a difference. And one of the things that we had the opportunity to do together is I was able to get American Family Insurance to sponsor us to go into Joplin. Do you remember that? Oh, absolutely. I remember go into that. Joplin and make a difference to the um, the first responders that suffered so much from what they experienced from that tornado. I mean, yeah, we did like, three presentations that trip. We did the first responders, the hospital, and then one for the community. Yeah. And the, I still remember that the title of the presentation was, how do you get back in the game when you've lost all your stuff? Yeah. Because we met yeah. so many people. You know, remember that that tornado just went right through the center of town and took a swath out that was a mile and a half wide. It was unbelievable oh, because you're God. driving along and there's all these neighborhoods and then all of a sudden there's this. It just destruction. But do you remember what was standing in the middle of all that big open destruction space across? Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have pictures of it. That was unbelievable. But the difference you made, the people that were coming up and telling you their individual stories um, and what happened to them and how much it helped to hear you talk to help them turn and face the other direction. It was just game-changing in my life my heart was full the entire I don't know I think we were there three or four days and we, you you we really made a difference in the lives of these people well I appreciate you setting it up and I'm grateful for American Family Insurance and for their willingness to see that it's more than just helping people get their stuff back it's how do you get your heart back and your head back and um, yeah. man it's tough it's, you know tornadoes and earthquakes are brutal when, when it's a hurricane or a typhoon, by the way, you know the difference? Hurricanes and Between, typhoons? No, I don't. Yeah, you have this to this is worth knowing. Like, okay. Like, to get out a piece of paper, write this one down. Hurricanes <laughs> happen in the Atlantic. Typhoons happen in the Pacific. Get out of here. I had no <laughs> it's idea. It's that simple. Like, Wait a serious? minute. All of a sudden, my life makes sense. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. Totally Good makes sense. Good piece of knowledge. If you get nothing else out of the day, folks, yeah, remember hurricanes, that. Hurricanes, Atlantic. Yeah. Typhoons, yeah. Pacific. And, you know, when, when you have a hurricane or a typhoon, you know they're coming. Yeah. So you can hunker down. Right. When you have a, a tornado or an earthquake, there's no warning. Right. You know? Or very I mean, little warning. If yeah. You With tornado, you might get a siren and have three, three minutes yeah. to hunker yeah. down. I mean, I, I had a friend of mine living in Joplin. Remember that? My buddy Steve was there. And okay. He, he, the siren went off. And he had his wife and his two kids. He had a, yes, like, a like a five-year-old and a newborn. And the siren went off and then his ears popped. So he knew he was in big trouble when his ears popped. So he grabbed his, his he had, no, he had two kids and, an, and a newborn. Mm -hmm. So I guess that makes three kids. Now that I think about <laughs> Good it. adding. He, he's, yeah, he, he, he shoved the older kids into the closet, shut the door, laid his wife down in front of the closet so the door wouldn't get pried open and the kids get sucked out, put his newborn in between her legs. He lay down over the top of them and held on for dear life, and his house exploded. His kids are in the closet screaming, let us out, let us out, Dad, let us out, let us out. The door's, you know, sucking back and forth and vibrating, and then it was over. Yeah. And, he, and he said, you know, Dan, I stood up. 
And the only thing still standing in my house was the closet where my kids were. I took one step and stepped on a nail and went right through my foot. Wow. Man, that's a bad day. Yeah. And how do you, how do you regroup? And if I remember right, he walked out his door or there was no door. Yeah, he looked right. up and around and he didn't, he couldn't even figure out what direction he was, what, because everything yeah. was gone. Yeah, everything was gone. His house was gone. Everything was just poof. He's he just got a closet. Yeah. I went back with him and stood on his concrete foundation where his house used to be. Yeah. Man, that was just. Woo. So here's the amazing thing about that trip in this story. And it's really, uh, today we're talking about how to thrive, you know, when you're burned out or you hit challenges in life. And these people, even though they've been through amazing, I, I think there were like 7,000 houses impacted. Is that correct? Yeah, I can't remember. It was a large, it was a large number. Um, that even though there was all this loss and few deaths com- considering the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how extreme this tornado, I think it's one of the biggest tornadoes ever in America or mm-hmm. most powerful because it had like this, you can probably explain it better than me, this double thing going on. Um, but these people were ready to rebel. These people hung together. These people helped each other. I mean, there were so many people out doing things to help each other throughout this. And then they suffered because of you know what they saw and experienced. And I yeah. mean, it's just devastation. Yeah, it's interesting to to look look at Joplin. Joplin was very similar. The way the community responded in Joplin was very similar to the the way the Filipinos respond when they have a disaster. So I was there for Typhoon Yolanda. We call it High An here. Yolanda is a way better name for a typhoon. I don't know, but yeah. um, you know, <laughs> the the most striking thing about my trip to the Philippines uh, and the devastation was mind boggling. Just mind-boggling. Um, there's just not even words. I wish you know on radio you can't really talk about show pictures and stuff, but right. the, the the devastation was incomprehensible, uh, and and yet the Filipinos really have a lot to teach the rest of the world because when when stuff hits the fan in the Philippines, it's all about we, nice. not about me. Yeah. So. The storm hadn't even stopped blowing, and one neighbor's at another neighbor's house saying, hey, man, are you okay? Is your family okay? We're cooking some rice. Come on over. We'll eat. We'll figure out whose house we're going to rebuild first. Wow. There's nobody sitting on the curb going, who's going to help me? Who's going to help me? It's um, No, I'm I'm rallying with my neighbors, with my family, with my friends, with my church, whatever. We're going to come together, and we're going to rebuild. Let's start. Yeah. We got to get these roofs back on. And wasn't that one of the toughest? I love that they came together, and I believe they helped you a lot too. But wasn't that one of the disasters you responded to, where it was harder to get set up and no, get everything was, that you was needed? That was Hurricane Mitch. Oh, okay. In Honduras. Okay, I know one of them. You really yeah. struggled with even yeah, getting that the took basic us three things days. you needed. Mm-hmm. It's really, really hard to get the right people with the right equipment to the right place at the right time in a disaster because the infrastructure is toast. Yeah. And you just have to set up wherever, like Katrina, you were set up in a parking lot outside the yeah. convention center where a lot of people were housed, right? Yeah, we were the only functioning medical facility in the whole city of New Orleans. Wow. And in that situation, you came across people who were very helpful and would do whatever, 
In fact, you have yeah. a great story on on one of them. Yeah, Augie's um, story, my, my TEDx talk. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. Go listen to Dan's TEDx talk. It's pretty amazing. But there were also people there going, you're not giving me enough. You know, I want more and you're not taking care of me. Like they're expecting more victim mindset, I guess I would say. Yeah, right? it was. I, I had some fascinating conversations with Anderson Cooper. You know, and Anderson Cooper was asking the question, why are there so many victims during Katrina? Why are there so many victims? There's like thousands of people. Look at all these victims. I was asking a different question. So instead of asking why there's so many victims, I was asking, what is it about some of these people that they don't become victims? Yeah. No, that's, to me, that's a, that was, I, I think it was a question that was beyond my wisdom. I didn't realize what an important question that was. Mm -hmm. um, if I was asking why are there so many victims, then I'm just mad at all the political stuff that's going on. But, but I saw people that lost everything, family members, homes, cars, all their belongings, all they had were like a leftover was just a suitcase. Yeah. And they still weren't victims. I thought, I don't know if I lost everything, what I would do. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. huh. I I wonder would would I just be sitting on the curb, going, oh man, I can't believe I lost my computer. Yeah. Or I remember at the time it was my Palm Trio phone. <laughs> 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 what if I lose my phone? All my email addresses. Are in there. What, what, what would I do? My whole world would come to an end. Yeah. Um, but these are people that lost everything and they still didn't become victims. And so that be that was the beginning of a quest to understand. How is it that some of these people thrive, even though they lost everything? Yeah. It's, it's not the end of their world, but they lean in and they go, oh, no, I can still make a difference here. I'm, I'm rolling up my sleeves. I mean, people like Juliet Saucy. Yeah. She, <laughs> one of my, oh, I, I just reached, I know we just had the anniversary of Katrina. Oh, wow. So I just, I sent her a text. You're still my hero. Oh, you man. are still my hero. So, I remember, never, I can so vividly still see this. We're, we got this triage unit going in the, in the parking lot. We've got some ragged old tents that I have no idea where they came from. They just showed up. Somebody brought them. And, and we had six helicopters at a time taking off and landing and blowing all of our stuff all over the place. And they're really noisy. I mean, like stethoscopes are worthless when you, you got helicopters <laughs> flying around and all that stuff. And, and there's, and there's, just so many strange things that were happening and we really needed more help. I, we had a, a team of five or six of us and this, this woman shows up with a shirt on that says paramedic on the back. Yeah. And I'm thinking, sweet. It says new Orleans emergency medical services on the front paramedic on the back that, Oh, this is great. I get, you know, um, Dr. Bob over here, my buddy, Bob Rankin needs some help. So if you could work in the red zone, you know, that's where the sickest patients are. If you could work in the red zone with him and help him start IVs and stuff, that'd be awesome. She goes, yeah, 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 happy to help. And then I was kind of watching her and she was really, really, really smart and was jumping in and helping with all kinds of stuff. And I had one of the other paramedics over there. I said, hey, dude, is Juliet a paramedic? 
And he, he said, no, no, man. She's the director of emergency medical services for the entire city of New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, what did I say? Did I put my foot in my mouth? What am I going to do? I went back over to her. I said, Juliet, I am so sorry. I had no idea you're a director of emergency medical service. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for coming in and saying I'm the director of this triage unit. No, no, no. We, we work for you. In fact, we'll stand down. We'll do. I'm, I'm just backpedaling because I'm feeling like a complete and total idiot. And she looked at me and said, you have no clue. I just bought a new house and I haven't moved into my new house yet. And both my homes were destroyed. And I've been sleeping in the back of an ambulance for the last couple of days. And, and, and my, my jaw just goes, wow, you know, I can't believe this is going on. And, and, and I said, that's incredible. But um, Juliet, um, why are you wearing a shirt that says paramedic? Are you trying to throw off the out-of-town boys? <laughs> she says, no, these, this is the only shirt I own. I lost everything. And I've been in these clothes for five days. Wow. Wow. She said, we beg God that he would send you. Don't stand down. Just keep working. I'll come in and fill in when I can. She was working 18-hour days, living in the back of an ambulance, wearing the same clothes. And helped tremendously because of her knowledge. Yeah, And that's a perfect example. Yeah, a hero. a, A person who's lost everything and didn't become a victim. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I tried to figure this out. What is this? What is it that separates the people that become victims from the people that thrive in the middle of a disaster? Now, thriving doesn't mean having fun. Right. Right. It means still being fully engaged, making a difference, leaving a legacy. Yeah. So it's time, I believe, for us to take a break. And so you're listening to Love Living Life with Marla Williams on Lift Your Spirits Radio with my guest, Dan Diamond, MD, and we'll be right back. And sustain this feeling, give it meaning, it is healing, with one simple question, what am I grateful for? Lift Your Spirits with me, Dina Marie, on Whidbey Island. I'll be a tour guide for your spirit and a travel agent for your soul. Retreats include a healing session for your body, your mind, and your spirit. You'll receive a Reiki session plus a chakra reading, experience a labyrinth in the woods, take a walk on the beach, and enjoy downtown Langley with me. Retreats are customized for you or a group of friends. You can visit dina-marie.com to connect with me today. Island time is waiting for you. Lift Your Spirits at Bayview Healing Suites on beautiful Whidbey Island. Bayview Healing Suites offers treatments in beauty, health, and wellness and is located at Bayview Corner, open seven days a week. Sonia Sushigani offers acupuncture and traditional Eastern herbal medicine that restores balance within your body, mind, and spirit. You can reach out to her to book your wellness and self-care session at goldenearthhealingarts.com. Take some time for yourself to relax at Bayview Healing Suites in Bayview Corner. Do you feel stressed, exhausted, or burned out? Would you like to identify your unique warning signs and know what to do? Are you ready to learn how to calm your system and increase your energy so you are healthier, happier, and more productive? Learn from an expert. 
I transform my life from burnout to bliss, and you can too. Go to MarlaWilliams.net, click on Learn, and sign up for my Burnout Prevention Formula course and move from burnout to bliss in just six weeks or less. So are you feeling down? Well, give yourself the gift of relaxation and better health. The Energy Genesis is a safe, 360-degree healing chamber that uses a pleasant combination of light and sound frequencies to create a resonance of peace and tranquility. Within minutes, your body eases into a deep state of rest and begins to gently heal and reconnect to spirit. To learn more about Energy Genesis Therapy and all of its benefits, visit EnergyGenesisSeattle.com. Easy on the ears, good for the soul. Alternative Talk 1150. What am I grateful for? So many simple things. Woke up with a stretch and a yawn. So tired and I know I have to mow this lawn. I gotta call my mom. I gotta go to the studio a couple hours out and then make this song. Could be worse if I was fighting a war. Dying from a disease with no real cure. Homeless on the streets, so cold and poor. And I'm here complaining about all these chores. What am I so grateful for? Hey, thank you for listening. I'm Marla Williams. You're listening to Love Living Life on Lift Your Spirits Radio with my guest, Dan Diamond, MD. And we've had a fascinating conversations about some of the emergency situations he's been in. We've talked about victims versus thrivers, and we're going to continue on that note. So Dan, tell me, what is it? Do you think, I mean, your question, what is it that makes some people react differently in these situations? Well, I, let's let's get more personal, okay? Let me okay. just drop the let me just drop my mask, my guard, my shield, whatever. Let you backstage, okay? Because I'm a disaster doc. I'm an expert. Yeah. And um, my favorite mindset is the victim mindset. Mm, your favorite? Oh, if by default, I'll slide into being the victim. Just ask my wife. Get out oh, of honey, here. Was, you? It was, yeah, it was a hard day at work. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. It was, it was so hard today. I'm so tired. My body just feels like I'm being crushed by the gravity. So hard. <laughs> and she'll say, oh, honey, you go ahead and sit on the couch. I'll do the dishes. And I'm going, yeah. Be- <laughs> like, I'll cook. Serious? I'll do the dishes. I'll clean around you. Serious? <laughs> Let me give you a yeah. hug, Dan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was it, it, what I realized was. In, in a disaster zone, it's easy to see human behavior because everything is incredibly raw. Yeah. So you see these victims and go, what the heck is wrong with you? Do you really think, I mean, what the heck? You're sitting there going, nobody's helping me. Who's going to, you know, uh, victims suck. They'll suck your energy from you. They'll suck your enthusiasm. They'll suck your resources. Um, and that seems like a bizarre thing to say as a disaster doc. Like, aren't, dude, aren't you being, like, not being compassionate? I'm not talking about people that have lost everything. I'm talking about people that are using a victim mindset. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I started working through all of this and trying to figure out how do I put this in a, in a format that I can take to businesses and corporations and individuals and, you know, and make it useful. Yeah. I started thinking that victims... Are, are there because they have what Julian Rotter back in the, in the fifties called a locus, an external locus of control. They believe somebody else has all the power. 
Like, what can I do? I don't have any power. George Bush has all the power. Because remember this woman being interviewed by CNN screaming, when is George Bush going to bring me my food? And I'm thinking he's not. George is busy right now. Why would you think George is going to bring? So that's part of it is this, this view that they don't have any power. But the other part is when I went back and thought about this interview with this woman, she's holding her little daughter's hand and she's not screaming at the the CNN reporter. When is George Bush going to bring my daughter some food? She's screaming. When is George Bush going to bring me my food? Mm. I'm going, yeah. So victims are takers. They're not givers. They're takers. So a victim is a powerless taker. Yeah. And 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 it, it was all neat and tidy, you know, when I was just thinking, well, these are different types of people. But then I recognized that, wait a minute, I do that. Yeah. And it's what I came up with in this model, and it's a two-by-two two model in the lower left. It's the powerless takers of the victims. That's my favorite. That's my go-to. If I'm not paying attention, when I get in a high-stress, high-stakes environment, I just slide right into the victim mode. Yeah. Into that mindset. And I have to be very aware. I have to pause frequently and notice what's going on and go, hmm, dude, you're showing up as a victim right now. How's that working out for you? It doesn't work. So maybe you should slide back into this thriver mindset that says, I actually have the power to make a difference and it's not about me. Yeah. And and the key word here is mindset. Yeah. You can choose to wake up every single day and walk into the world with that thriving mindset, or you can choose to wake up every day and feel like a victim. It's when yeah. things start piling on, we tend to collapse under the weight of all the pressures and the challenges and COVID and all the things that we've had to face. Everybody kind of goes down and it's making a conscious choice to go out of say, okay, but I can get through this. I can overcome this. I can move into what can I do? How can I turn this around? Right? Yeah. It's what, yeah. Which direction do I want to face? That's my, my, my buddy, Danny Friedland wrote this book called leading well from within Great mm. book. Maybe mm. you can put it in your in your show notes. It's on my list. Um, yeah. He talks about when demands exceed our resources, we spiral down into reactivity. When Say our resources when deman- oh, demands yeah. are greater than resources, we spiral down. When our resources are greater than our demands, we we spiral up into creativity. Mm. And and the the key is to go is to just pause. And it's so hard to do when you're in a high stress situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember, and it, it, you know, we've talked about this story several times about um, the people that were shooting at the rescue people. Oh, that's crazy. This is it's, like the, it's like the most ridiculous thing. It was also one of the most profound aha moments of my life because wow. I, I heard this story from Sergeant Bailey, my, my friend. He was one of the police officers there. And, um, you know, these, there was this woman that was sitting on top of a traffic control box in an intersection, in water, up to her chest with her two babies on her shoulders. Yeah. You know, when I'm, when I'm doing my keynotes, it's, it's a much more embellished story, but I'm doing <laughs> the tiny version here. Um, she'd been sitting there for four days mm. with these babies on her shoulders for four days. Jeez. And the rescue boat finally comes around the corner, and as she's loading her babies into the boat, these guys in the building across the street start yelling down to the people in the boat, forget that woman. She's just trash. Come and get us. Mm. And they're like, what? No, you guys, hey, women and children first. We'll get you next trip. 
no, she's just trash. We have food. We have money. We'll pay you. Come and get us. I said, yeah, really? Yeah. And and then they said, boy, women and children first. And then the people on the roof start shooting at the people on the boat. I'm going, are you kidding me? Unbelievable. How stupid is that? Really? Yeah. You, yeah. it, because I can tell you how it works, just in case it's not totally clear. Yeah. When you start shooting at the rescue people, we tag the building that it's an active shooter, and we don't go back to the building because it's not good for the boat. <laughs> or you the know? people. Or yeah. the people. And, yeah. and so I've, I remember thinking, huh, this is, um, this is not an effective way to deal with this when you're super stressed out is to start shooting bullets at people. And I thought, fortunately, I would never do that. That's just, I wouldn't do that. And then I heard this little tiny voice in the back of my head. Yeah. Hey, Diamond, you ever shoot a look at your wife? Oh, well, yeah. Or a comment to your kids? Yeah, 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 yeah. I do that too. How about an email to the people that work for you? Yeah, I've done that. I went, oh. That's when I had this big aha moment of these are not four different types of mindsets. These are, I mean, four different types of people. They're four different mindsets. Yeah. And sometimes I show up as a controller. Oh, yeah. it grosses me out when I do. Yeah. But, but if I'm not paying attention, sometimes I slide into that. Usually it's because I'm afraid of something. Mm-hmm. And the fourth mindset, by the way, is the bystander. Their heart's in the right place. They're saying, oh, my gosh, somebody should do something. Yeah. It never occurs to them. It should be them. Right. You know, it's it's amazing to me how many people, when I come back from a disaster, people go, oh, that's so cool. You're a doctor. You can, you can go and help. And I wish there's something I could do. And I'm like, hey, there is something you could do. We, we don't, we need a lot of supplies and it costs money for us to book last minute flights and all that stuff. You could support what we're doing. Medical Teams International is who I deploy with. They do a yeah. great job. It's medicalteams.org. They do an amazingly good job of getting the right people, right place, right time, like we were talking about. Right. It's um, so yeah. Anybody can help when they yeah. get the mindset in the right place. Yeah, you know, a lot of this, I believe, a lot of people react in the world with how it was mod- modeled to them growing up, and that it doesn't mean you're stuck there. Yeah, and- Ben Hardy's book. Oh my gosh, personality isn't permanent. Yeah. Have you read that? I haven't, (laughs) but I totally agree with it. He said, which is more important, all your experiences that got to where you are today? Yeah. Or your view of your future self? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, what what a book. Yeah. But really, your view of your future self and shifting and letting go of the things that have kept you trapped is what frees you up. So let's talk about, as you were talking about all this, you know, some people are facing one way in one direction whether it's based on experience or they've gone into victim mode and some are facing the other way. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about what you look at is where you go or what you look at is how you react. Cause I work on that with clients all the time, yeah. whatever they're focused on that voice in their head is where they go and learning to quiet that and drop in. And like you said, a few minutes ago, pause can make all the difference in the world and how you react. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I've proven this to myself on my mountain bike. Oh yeah. If I I go between two trees and it's a tight spot and I go, don't hit the tree, dude. I hit the tree. If my shoulder had lips, it would talk right now. I mean, it's like, oh man. And one time I was riding in Wenatchee in Eastern Washington in a place called Devil's Gulch. And there's a, the path is about two feet wide. It's straight up on the left. 
and about a 30-degree angle to the right that goes down about 200 feet. Wow. And just for a second, I asked myself the stupidest question I've ever asked. Is this target fixation thing real? <laughs> and I launched off this cliff and snagged my tire on a little shrubbery with a hat tip to Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, <laughs> and so I, I'm dangling, you know, and I can't get up. And my buddies didn't see me. They go zinging by. About five minutes later, they come, they come back looking for me. They said, what are you doing down there? I said, target fixation. Yeah. And you it's only a flesh wound. It's, it's only, only a flesh wound, right? Yeah, that's no kidding. There you go. <laughs> Good. Yeah, right? That's perfect. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it, yeah, it's like <laughs> only a flesh wound to my pride. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, man, oh, man, I go in the direction. I, I'm supposed to be this disaster guy that knows how all this stuff works. And yet... My brain is trained to avoid negative. Mm. My brain is, and, and I, you know, going to medical school, they teach you how to become a problem solver. Mm -hmm. We have a problem-oriented medical record. When a patient comes in, we say, what problem are you coming in for today? We get so focused on the problem, and I'm really good at solving problems. But sometimes in the process of that, I solve the wrong problem. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean... My favorite example, and I talk about this a lot when I'm working with clients, is um, there was a hospital I was working with that was in the bottom 25th percentile for falls, you know, patients falling out of bed. And so they did what most organizations, most hospitals would do. They formed a committee, and they called the committee the fall committee. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hold on just a minute. They called it the the fall committee. <laughs> like, seriously. How do you, like, what do you do at your meetings? Do you fall down? Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, what's the opposite of patients falling out of bed? Most medical people will say the opposite of patients falling out of bed is patients staying in bed. Right. The opposite of patients falling out of bed is great mobility. Yeah. Oh. Because that's if you a focus on staying deal. in bed, they're not healing. Yeah. Right? I mean... Three years ago, I had a quadruple bypass. Yeah. Not a fun experience. The day after that surgery, you know, where they cut you in half with a dang chainsaw. Mm. Um, the day after that, I was up walking with a stand-up walker that went under my arms. And they let now, you. Yeah. And how did they come up with a stand-up walker? Not by saying, how do we keep Diamond in bed? They yeah. came up with a stand-up walker because they said, how do we get Diamond moving so we can get him out of here because he's driving us nuts? <laughs> The questions that you ask determine where you go. Um, yes. David Cooper Ryder started this, this whole way of thinking called appreciative inquiry. It started out of the Cleveland Clinic. He said that the questions that we ask are fateful. Yeah. So we got to be really careful we're asking great questions. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. difference between why do we have so many victims versus why is it some of these people don't become victims? Yeah. Faced me in a completely different direction. Right. Right. And sometimes it's hard to get out of your head and where you're at and what you're focused on because you're so well trained at getting to the root cause or getting to yeah. the problem. It's hard to step back and look at it in another way. But when you do that, like he said, fateful, it's life changing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, Jackie Stavros is another one of my heroes, and she's written a couple of books that are phenomenally helpful. Um, conversations worth having. Yeah, you have your copy. I've got that copy and I love edition. this book. <laughs> so good. And she also wrote a book called The Thin Book of Sore. 
that's getting delivered today. I'm so excited. Good. Yeah. It's, it, she's, she's a master at asking the right question. Yeah. And, yeah. and how do you, how do you flip? How do you, how do you name it? Yeah. You know, it's important that when I'm coming in to work with an organization, I don't come in and say, Hey, forget all your problems. Let's just, we'll just sing songs and hold hands and it'll be so wonderful. No, that is so not helpful. What we got to do is come in and name the problem. Say, all right, you got a problem with patients falling out of bed. This is a serious deal. They get hurt. They stay here longer. You don't get paid. The federal government's dinging you now and penalizing you. You got all this stuff going on. This is a real problem. Right. So we name it and then we flip it. What do you want? What's the opposite? Mm-hmm. What's it? Mm-hmm. What's the what's the not what's the deficit opposite? Where I just go back to getting buried in, in the problem, <laughs> the lack of the problem. It's the abundant opposite. You yeah. know, instead of staying in bed, it's what's great mobility look like? How do we how do we get our patients to have great mobility as quickly as possible? Exactly. If you want to have a fall committee, who wants to be on the committee? Nobody. Nobody. No. You got to pay me to be on that committee. You want to have a great mobility committee? Who wants to be on that? Everybody. Yeah. Are we going to have shirts? <laughs> you know? Oh man. The yeah. Questions I that we ask, when when you get a great question in the in the work that we're doing in facilitation work, we call that a generative question because it generates an Energy it generates ideas, it generates enthusiasm. Enthusiasm, when you get the big question time. Right. This is a great time to take a break. And um, this is Marla Williams on Love Living Life on Lift Your Spirits Radio, talking with Dan Diamond, MD, and we will be right back. My back and a couple of rats, my family and Kit Kats. How about that? What am I grateful for? Feeling the need to get away and reconnect with Mother Nature? Located on Whidbey Island, Earth Sanctuary is a peaceful and magical sculpture garden, nature reserve, and retreat center with two miles of nature trails, three bird-filled ponds, and a variety of powerful sacred spaces, including a labyrinth, stone circles, and medicine wheels. Come and enjoy the wonders of nature and experience personal renewal, spiritual growth, and healing today. Visit earthsanctuary.org or the Earth Sanctuary on Facebook for more information. So are you ready to have a major breakthrough in your life? Marla Williams, a certified life coach and TLT practitioner, transforms lives, moving her clients from apathy to happiness, from stress to balance, from uncertainty to total confidence and more. Marla will help you identify the one breakthrough point you can change to live life in more harmony with your true self. It is life-changing. Sign up for a complimentary session at MarlaWilliams.net and experience the magic of moving from stuckness into a life you love. Are your medical expenses increasing, but your health is not improving? True Health offers unique services where Kasara empowers clients with intuition, education, and proven resources. Better choices can be made when information is available. Now's the time to visit TrueHealth.com. That's T-R-U-Health.com. And schedule your appointment to achieve your health goals. Your body will thank you. 
Lift your spirits with us every Friday at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on 1150 AM KKNW Seattle. We will be introducing you to fascinating people, fun places to visit, and activities are guaranteed to lift your spirits. Miss a show? No worries. You can visit 1150kknw.com and click on our archive page or like Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie on Facebook for upcoming guests and events. To contact me, Dina Marie, visit dina-marie.com. Thank you so much for listening. Find our app in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and take us with you wherever you go. Alternative Talk, AM 1150. What am I grateful for? I think about the little things. What am I grateful for? So many simple things. Welcome back to Love Living Life with Marla Williams on Lift Your Spirits Radio. Dan Diamond and D and I are having a fun discussion, interesting and fun discussion regarding learning how to thrive no matter what's hitting you in life. So, and so many people are burned out from COVID. So many companies have had to change how they operate. So many people have been impacted in so many ways. Um, and Dan's teachings, Dan's workshops, Dan's facilitations have helped companies turn and face the other direction, right? Yeah. 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 In fact, as soon as you start talking about burnout, yeah, my brain goes, oh, no, please, let's don't talk about me. I mean, in a, on a radio show, you can still say, just by show of hands, how many of you are sick and tired about talking about burnout and how hard it's been? Yeah. Because you can, you can still feel everybody's hands go, yeah, please don't talk about burnout. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I'm is- a burnout expert, but I, but I do not want to talk about burnout because it's the opposite of a generative question. We were just talking about, you know, generative questions that generate enthusiasm and ideas and everything. As soon as we say, what are you going to do about burnout? So, yeah. well, nothing. Yeah. I'd rather say, are you burned out? Yes. Okay. Let's face the opposite direction. What's the opposite of burn of burnout? Well, it's not no burnout. It's how do you thrive? Energy. <laughs> yeah. How do you create a work environment, a culture that is so vibrant and so life-giving that people don't leave and you have a line of people wanting to come in the door? Exactly. That's a question that's worth kicking around. Like, you know, what are the ingredients? Because we we often take that for granted. Like, yeah, well, it's, you know, it just happens. Yeah. We have cool people. We hire good people. Yeah. yeah. And what's the rest of the story? Because when when the stuff hits the fan, it's time to bring your people together right? and right. ask better questions. I, I think that's so important because part of what I do and work with people, I'm actually doing a workshop here this month for a large group that is that are burned out. And so instead mm-hmm. of focus on burnout, it's, it's reboot, refresh, refocus, right? Mm-hmm. We're going a different direction. But I think what's important, as soon as you start talking about burnout and what's exhausting them, it drains everybody. It's Absolutely. almost you feel the, the energy in the room change. And when you turn and face the other direction, and how can we make this an exciting workplace where people are vibrant, where people have energy, where people want to make a difference, where everything's better and people want to be the energy in the room and the excitement increases, right? Absolutely. And it's dramatic and it's so fun. Yeah. You know, it's, I have a couple of big goals when I work with an organization. Um, 
One is I want to leave them more energetic and optimistic and hopeful than when I came in. And the other one is that I want to create an environment where people develop significantly phenomenal friendships with each other. Nice. And, and it happens over and over again. When yeah. you invite everybody into the conversation, you give them this opportunity to say, huh, wow, you actually care about what I have to say. Yeah. You know, this one of the things that I learned from from John Berghoff, the the guy that started Exchange, which is the organization that I do my I got my certification with for um, facilitation. We talk about leadership 1.0 and leadership 2.0. Leadership 1.0 was a was all about a few people having the answers. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and gosh, you think about what I've done in my life. I'm the I'm the person that comes in that does the keynote presentation. I'm the person that organizations bring in when they're trying to figure out how they want to lead under pressure and how they want to have a vibrant culture. So do I need to come in and be the guy on stage, the sage on stage with the answers? Or is there a better way? Leadership 1.0 is a few people having the answers. Leadership 2.0 it's not about answers. It's about asking questions and inviting the voices of a lot of different people, inviting the voices of many into the conversation. And, and you know, this, all this talk about diversity now, my, my concern about that is I think a lot of organizations will view the topic of diversity as a box to check. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, who's not represented on our committee? Mm-hmm. We need whatever. But it's not. It's so much more than a box to be checked. It's I need people that see differently than I do because I only see with old white guy eyes. Yeah. And I don't have I don't have another set of eyes. Some of the most helpful people in disaster situations, in problem solving situations are people that are bicultural mm-hmm. because they can they can pop into their, you know, Thailand brain. Yeah. And then pop into their American brain and they can look at it from different perspectives. And so when I'm putting together my teams, um, I'm trying to find out, all right, I don't want a bunch of people that are just a bunch of old white guys like me because I already have one of those brains. I want somebody that's different. Yeah. Yeah. And what you're saying here, I believe, too, is this is about the culture of a group or the culture of a company or the culture. And when the top just tries to lead and be in control of everything, which you talked about, you don't like to be a controller, that you're limited on how you think and where you go. And I think some of the best companies and best cultures are the ones that push that power down, get that diversity, open those questions up and ask people the questions that involve And I found when I was leading groups, we had to break what I called a game-changing culture in uh, Genie Industries, where I had my corporate career for almost 20 years. And the difference was, is we pushed that power down and we involved all the people. And these people, we didn't have turnover. We didn't yeah. have negative. You know, I know the company's changed. We got bought by a Fortune 500. But back in the day, they said they bled Genie Blue. And it's because they were so dedicated to the company. And that's the culture when you push the control down and you ask the questions and everybody's involved. And sometimes the quietest guy has the best ideas. And having it set up so you can allow them to talk is big, right? 
Yeah, I think oftentimes I think, how would my life be different if I was born smart and then got stupid? Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm at what point, it was just recently that I figured out that the introverts oftentimes have the answers. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. don't speak up because they're like, well, if you want to know my opinion, he would quit talking and ask me. Mm-hmm. And now I'm... I'm still learning this. This is, you know, I'm in process. How, yeah. how do I show up and ask better questions is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's when I, when I invite everybody into the conversation, and we do this when we're designing our experiences, whether it's an online experience or an in-person experience, I put some really serious thinking into how do I create an environment where as rapidly as possible, I can create psychological safety? And how do I invite the voices of every single person into the conversation? So I could have a room of 500 people or 1,000 people. By design, I can bring the voice of every single person in that room into the conversation. And it's fascinating the stuff that comes out. So the psychological safety is for the introverts or the quieter people to feel safe, to be able to be heard because of what you're doing. Well, it's for all of us. Yeah. People walk into a meeting and they're asking two questions. Yeah. Number one, can I be myself? Yeah. And number two, if I am myself, will you still like me? Yeah. So even the extroverts are okay. going, I don't know, can I be myself? Can I say what I want to say? Do I speak up? Well, they think I'm stupid. Maybe my idea is a stupid idea. I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not going to, I mean, even though it's like screaming to get out of me, I'm not going to let it. Okay, Dan. So how do you do this? How do you create psychological safety? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, when we're designing, uh, one of the, one of the, the secret things that we do here um, is by design, put people into conversations where everybody gets an equal amount of time to speak. Mm. So oftentimes we'll do, um, paired interviews. Okay. And try this with your staff sometime. Yeah. Just take a, take a question like, well, one of my favorites, cause I'm, t- you know, I'm speaking on resilience. One of my favorite questions is tell me a story about a time when you overcame a difficult challenge. You didn't think you were going to be able to get through and you did. Yeah. How'd you do it? Yeah. What were your strengths? What were your guiding principles? What were your values? Tell me the story. I want to hear all about the story. Yeah. So, you know, I was talking with, uh, or work, facilitating a workshop with a group of high school kids. Yeah. It was a Rotary Youth Leadership Academy thing. Mm-hmm. And these kids, we were talking, the, the question that we were asking is, how might we create a culture in your school where no kid does school alone? Mm. Oh, generative question. Yeah, come on. What a and that's question. Big, because schools and kids and the, what's going on at that age is so difficult. Yeah, one of the solutions they came up with is a thing called a social stroll. They okay. said, let's have the, the homeroom teacher randomly put us in pairs and give us a question or a topic, and we'll go for a five-minute walk. On the way out for five minutes, I interview you. Wow. Tell, me, you know, tell me about this thing. What I did? How did you do that? What were your strengths? What were your, your principles? What were your values? How did you do that? Did you have over, overcome this negative talk on the inside that's in my brain all the time? How did you do that? You know, just asking questions, not, oh, that reminds me of a story, which is my default because I'm a storyteller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, how do I just ask questions for five minutes? And before we turn around and come back, 
I pause for a moment and say, Marla, what I most appreciate about you is this. Wow. What the greatest gift you just gave me is this. Your greatest yeah. strength or your superpower is this. Yeah. You know, it's like if you were going to have a superhero costume on, you're, the big word that you'd have across the front would be this. You know, some kind mm-hmm. of way for you to know that I heard you and that I appreciate you and just reflecting this appreciation. Then we walk back and you interview me. And at the end, you say what you appreciate. Wow. You know, so it's the way to, it's, it's an incredibly powerful way for people to make friends. And you can do it in a room with a thousand people. Right. You just have to say, here's this question and here's how an interview works. Yeah. And, you know, interviews are, if, if, if you haven't done an interview before, most of us haven't. Mm-hmm. It's all about asking questions and just keep asking questions and keep asking questions. And if you run out of questions, use the three, two, one, zero questions. Which is what? <laughs> yeah, that's the secret <laughs> part. You have to hire me. No, just kidding. Okay. The three word question is, tell me more. Okay. The two okay. word question is, what else? The mm. one word question is, and? Okay. And the no word question you can't do on the radio because it's just that leaning in facial expression of, I got to know more. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. I, it's, I think kind of a, kind of a foundation out of this whole thing that you're talking about is people want to be liked. We all want to be liked. Yeah. We all want to fit in. Yeah. And this is a beautiful tool to bring people together and make them feel accepted and heard. And yeah. that's part of creating an amazing culture and an amazing life is one being heard and hearing others. Yeah, we did this at church last night. We had this Thursday night church thing going on now where we're experimenting and trying new stuff. And we had people in in groups of three last night having conversations. Yeah. You know, asking questions about each other. And and, um, it's so powerful. Yeah. And I really believe that the whole world could benefit from this. Because if you think about it, if we were all doing this with each other across the world and really talking to each other where that would go, where that could go. Um, Dan, this has been amazing to be reconnected, to talk about what you do with everyone. But let's talk about what you do and how people can find you. So it's dandiamondmd.com is your website, right? Yep. And what other, um, what do you want to share? You're a facilitator, you're a speaker, you're a coach. Yeah, good yeah. I mean, I, I love yeah. telling stories. Obviously, that's how we first Story met. Um, yeah. you know, doing doing keynotes and and that stuff. Uh, but my passion is facilitation. It's coming in and working with teams that are trying that are struggling, that are um, trying to figure out how they're going to navigate these times. They don't want to have a conversation about burnout, but they want to talk about how do we develop a vibrant, life giving culture in our workplace so we all like to come to work. How do we get the joy back? How do we have some enthusiasm? And how do we attract and keep great talent? Yeah. By the way, the CEO doesn't need to have the answer. No. In fact, he doesn't need to have any of the answers. He needs to be asking the questions. He has to ask the questions. Yeah. Yeah. So this has been amazing. Dan Diamond is a gifted speaker, a gifted facilitator, a gifted person. Anybody who's interested, you can find them at Dan Diamond MD. This show will be replayed on our podcast. If you want to go back and pick up some of the books and some of his pearls of wisdom, go do it and think about how he can maybe change you or your organization today. So once again, 
Thank you, Dan Diamond. It's been a pleasure having you. And thank you, Benny, for doing a great job in the background and keeping us going. You're right, welcome. Yeah. So thanks so much for listening to Love Living Life with Marla Williams on Lift Your Spirits Radio. And I'll be back on the first Friday of October. We will see you then. There came a time in my life when I knew I had to try And open up my eyes, it seemed so simple to me Why such a struggle to be? My own insecurities are creeping up on me No more time in today, the sun is fading away And I'm left feeling cray-cray I need to make a change, it's time to rearrange Late night in bed I lay, why does it seem so strange to Concentrate on what's great And sustain this feeling, give it meaning It is healing, with one simple question What am I great? For I think about the little things. What am I grateful for? So many simple things. Woke up with a stretch and a yawn. So tired and I know I have to mow this lawn. I gotta call my mom. I gotta go to the studio a couple hours out and then make this song. Could be worse if I was fighting a war. Dying from a disease with no real cure. Homeless on the streets, so cold and poor. And I'm here complaining about all these chores. What am I so grateful for? Gotta write it down so then it makes some sense about having a job and paying some rent. Food on the table, respect for all my ladies and gents. Speaking in languages, taking it in. Surfing ways in the sun. Shining, catching a tan, clean clothes on my back, and a couple of rats, my family, and Kit Kats. How about that? What am I grateful for? I think about the little things. What am I grateful for? So many simple things. What am I grateful so grateful for what am i 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 Simple things.